Entrepreneur on Fire 686. In need of some motivation? We've got you covered seven days a week. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Video courses available for all experience levels await at lynda.com, and I've worked out a deal to give you a special offer. Access the entire library for free for seven days at lynda.com slash fire. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash fire. 99designs has thousands of designers from all over the world ready to tackle your next design project. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services free. Light that spark, Fire Nation. John Lee Doom is here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Josh Pigford. Josh, are you prepared to ignite? Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Josh is a maker of things and has been building products for over a decade. Most recently, he founded and built Bearmetrics.io, which is one-click SaaS analytics for Stripe. Josh, I've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, and then we'll dive on in. Right on. So uh, thanks for having me. Quick overview of me as I've been, uh, like you mentioned, building stuff for the web for probably the better part of a decade and uh, kind of have a background in design, went to school for that, and then sort of started development stuff by necessity and uh, and then just kind of moved into just building all sorts of stuff. So uh, I've built hundreds of different products over the years and, and I've now focused uh, 100% on bare metrics. See, what I like, Fire Nation, about Josh is that this is a guy that ships. I was doing research, and he just creates stuff. He takes action. And this is what I really want to kind of focus on today, Josh, is about seeing an opportunity, seeing a void in the marketplace, taking action upon it, laser focusing on it, which you've now done with Bear Metrics, and then diving on in. But before we get into all of that, Josh, we always start with a success quote. So take it away. It's actually from Reed Hoffman from uh, LinkedIn. And so he's, he talks about shipping stuff and shipping it quickly. And, and his, he's got a quote that says, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, <laughs> you've launched too late. And I honestly didn't come across the quote until sometime in the past year. But in reality, that's kind of been, that's been my thing that I've kind of just stumbled upon for, you know, over the years of, of building stuff. So let's kind of dive into this quote specifically because I just launched a new show called Quotes on Fire. It's a daily quote show and I'm really into quotes for a lot of reasons. So I'm kind of trying to do a little more deep dive into my guest on Entrepreneur on Fire's quotes. And if you're not embarrassed by your first iteration, by the first thing that you actually ship, then you ship too late is basically what he's saying. And, and what do you really take away from that? I mean, what should our listeners, Fire Nation, really be implementing to make sure that we're, you know, kind of following these words of wisdom? Sure. So I, I just think it's important to not, it's easy to get caught up on the, the details of things and, and details that in reality don't matter from a business perspective. Um, and I think a lot of times we, we, get, we get focused on things that don't matter uh, because subconsciously we're afraid of shipping stuff. We're afraid that people are going to hate it. And so we try to give people fewer reasons to dislike stuff. And we end up just kind of like pushing pixels around that literally have zero effect on your business. And, uh, and so I think it's just important to get something out there and prove that anybody wants it at all. No, I love that you say pushing pixels around. Uh, that resonates with me totally since I'm running and founding and leading Podcasters Paradise, which now has over 1,200 members of people who are looking to 
create their podcast. And one thing that holds them back so often, Josh, is their logo, this 1400 by 1400 square that the reality is too, it can change at the snap of an instant. I mean, if you at any time ever want to adjust this logo, all you need to do is upload it to your media host and it will immediately reflect across all channels. I've done it myself over nine times since I've launched, but people are just thinking that, oh my goodness, it's in stone. Like when I launch my podcast and this logo has to be so perfect and weeks go by. Do you have an example kind of like that? either maybe with your own business or just something you've seen out there that have really held people back when you just don't think it should? Uh, I mean, I think for me personally, like previous products, there was a a company that I I ran called Pop Survey, and we spent a solid year in development before it ever made it public at all. And in reality, like we launched and it was, it was such a downer because we had this full year of like leading up to stuff of just like us trying to make it perfect. And we made all sorts of assumptions about what people would want. And then you get it out the door and turns out that's not really what people want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, and so we just wasted so much time and we could have, we could have pushed that thing out in a couple of months. Mm. And, and so I think that's especially on the software side of things, uh, or any, any kind of product that requires, um, a, a good bit of upfront work. Uh, you need to reduce the amount of upfront work you, you do before um, or try to, I guess, ship something as quick as possible so that so that people can start validating the idea and validating it with money, really, is the kind of the important thing there. And one thing that I've kind of been seeing people like Ramit Sethi do that I actually did with both uh, Podcasters Paradise and Webinar on Fire is kind of have a little early bird beta testing group. So you do actually have legitimate customers with you in that early iteration phase. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that can be great, but I think the there's a difference between having uh, f- like there's a difference between paying beta customers and then free uh, beta users because I think uh, the type of feedback you get from people who are paying versus people who aren't paying is totally <laughs> different. And and you don't the feedback you get from people who aren't giving you money in reality doesn't matter at all. Like who cares if they're what their feedback is because their mindset of what your your product isn't worth anything to them, right? Because they're not giving you any money. No, I love this. And I actually say you vote with your wallet and your sure. wallet alone, period. And every single one of my early birds has absolutely pulled out their wallet and paid a significant amount of money, less than they'll pay than they would have paid if they had not been an early bird and, sure. and joined the, the normal time. But they are paying real dollars for real feedback. Absolutely. So I hope I didn't kind of spur your your failure story a little too early here, but if I did, we're just going to do a deeper dive now. But what we really do here, Josh, and Entrepreneur on Fire, is focus on your journey, what you've been through, lessons learned, aha moments, and then we get to what you're just crushing right now, which is obviously baremetrics.io. So before we really get to that ending part, let's start with a failure and just really tell us a story, Josh, of a time that you did fail in your journey and, of course, the lessons you learned. So back in 2000 and I think it was 10, or actually, oh no, 2011. Still ages ago in the internet world. <laughs> yes, so many years ago. Um, a lifetime ago. So in 2011, I started work on this software called Pop Survey and I had a few other co-founders and... Uh, and like I said, we met, we spent a year kind of, we, we built a thing. Then we were like, oh, this isn't really what we want. Let's scrap it and start over. And this went on and on for literally 12 months. And uh, we got it out the door. And then it was just sort of like crickets, Ugh. you know, I mean, 
there's just it just wasn't anything people really wanted. It was survey software, and I th- I still think it's a great solid survey platform compared to like a survey monkey. Um, but it's just not what people wanted and we weren't solving a real problem. And and that trend that also moved into, we ended up spinning off another product called temper, which is tracking customer satisfaction. And same thing. It was like, we're solving this problem that people don't really have. Like we've, we've got a solution where it's a solution looking uh, for a problem. Like that's kind of how I talk about those previous products is we built this thing on the assumption that somebody would want to pay for it. And then they just didn't. And, and so like the failure there is just, I think me realizing, um, or, or I guess making, making assumptions about things. Let's kind of do a deep dive into this, Josh, a little bit. What did you think the problem was that you were solving with pop survey? I thought that people hated survey monkey enough to, to not want to use them anymore because my experience with surveys from survey, like I always felt like I was like taking, uh, like it was like taking like a high school exam or something. <laughs> and, um, and, and so what so, was, what was pop survey going to be different? So the deal with pop survey is like not taking surveys really quickly. So instead of having like a full page of form fields, you have like, it's almost like a survey player is what we called it. Got it. It's like a slide share almost like yeah, yeah, yeah. bang, bang, bang. So you could just fly through it. I mean, much faster and they were faster to build. But the, as part of that, we also made, uh, we put a lot of limitations on things. We didn't call them limitations, but like you couldn't add like 30 options to a multiple choice question. You could add five and that was it. And so, but could you add is, another? You could add another, sure. Yeah. Um, but the problem, like people just couldn't get over comparing us to SurveyMonkey Got and it. comparing purely on features. That's the problem with the industry that size is you end up, it's like, it's a features game. Everybody's got a feature table with 300 items on it and they people pay for whichever has the most features ultimately. So that's an interesting insight, Josh. And what I kind of want to do for Fire Nation now, I mean, our listeners, Fire Nation, who's listening right now around the world, they're entrepreneurs, they're sidepreneurs, they're small business owners. They're kind of scratching their, head, scratching their heads and saying, you know, I want to ship something. I want to create something that solves a problem. But, you know, Josh for a year plus thought he was solving a problem and he wasn't. So how can we maybe um, figure out a little bit better if we actually are solving a problem? Like, what would you have done, like, in hindsight now, going back, going forward, to actually find out that people actually had a pain point, actually had a problem they wanted solving? Yeah, this goes back to kind of what we've touched on a few few times already, is this, the idea of, uh, or at least sort of the validation side of things when it comes, and specifically with money. So I... With bare metrics, like I, I shipped the thing, the first version in a matter of weeks, um, like literally less than a month. And with Pop Survey and Temper, it's like we spent so much time having no feedback from users and, and again, paying feedback. And I think the important thing to do, sort of the, the takeaway is to get something out the door and start accepting money for it as soon as possible. It will be awful. Like the first thing you ship feels so <laughs> unpolished. So just like, you're like, I know this doesn't do everything that I want to do. Yes, absolutely. And that's perfect because otherwise you, you have to start making, you'll start making assumptions about what people want. And chances are those assumptions will be wrong. 
So, I mean, with Entrepreneur on Fire, Josh, like I made the assumption that people wanted a seven day a week podcast because I wanted it. You know, like you were saying, you know, I want something better than the Survey Monkey. I was saying, hey, I want something more often. I want something more consistent. I want an Entrepreneur on Fire podcast that's going to come out every single day of the week. But I was making assumptions myself. But one thing I did do is I did ship pretty darn quick. You know, within a couple months of my idea, I had 40 interviews completed already and I launched with a daily podcast. And I was ready to adjust if I got the feedback. Um, but I'll tell you, go back and listen to those first 50 episodes. I, I challenge sure rough. anybody. And they are, I mean, cringeworthy. Is it like my skin on the back of my neck right now standing up, just picturing me going back and listening to them because I was so unpolished. I was such a rough interviewer, such a, a host with no experience, but I was willing to get it out there because if you want to be do. And the only way to, to actually find out and get real feedback is to actually do that thing. Well, as I was gonna say, like, that's that Reed Hoffman quote, right? Like, it, you should, you should be embarrassed and you'll be, <laughs> you'll be bad at it, right? Like, there's no way that you're going to get good at anything until you've done it. You can't just like, re, you can't read enough articles or even, I mean, really listen to enough podcasts to all of a sudden make your first thing be awesome. Like, it just, it takes practice, right? It's like, it's like trying to ride a bike or anything that it just it takes work. I feel like it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off too, because there's so much pressure that people put on themselves sure. to be perfect. That first go around to come out there with this bright, shiny, beautiful object that everybody's going to covet and want right away in Fire Nation. It doesn't have to be that way. In fact, Josh and I are both saying it shouldn't be that way because that means that you spent way too much time doing it and not getting the right feedback. People who voted with their wallets. So Josh, you learned some lessons there. We talked about some great takeaways. Let's move on to another part in your journey. When you had a light bulb that went off, you had this aha moment. And you know what? Maybe it worked out. Maybe it didn't. That's not the point. But what the point is, is tell us the story of that light bulb moment and the steps you took to turn it into at least an initial success. Bare metrics, really, the first couple of months or really the first couple of weeks, it was I had spent uh, 30 days from, I went from idea to launching bare metrics in 30 days. So mid October had the idea, mid November launched it. And, uh, and it really like the first day I had, um, I had like a $250 a month customer sign up and like, that was huge for me. Like within a week we had like almost $2,000 in recurring revenue, uh, on the books. And it was like, to me, the, the aha moment was, okay, like this is, this is how it's supposed to be. Like comparing it to pop survey and temper before where I had spent, I mean, the better part of almost two years trying to get to a, a point where these were like sustainable businesses. And so real, getting, getting to that point in bare metrics in a matter of a, a couple of months was the aha moment was like, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. Like this is what solving, <laughs> this is what solving a real pain looks like. So, Josh, I want to kind of break in for a second here because I think a lot of our listeners may not even know what Stripe is, what Stripe does. Um, it's, you know, it's a payment processor. Um, it can be a merchant account as well. It's, you know, you even know more than me, so I'm going to let you take over here in a second. I personally use Authorize.net, but I also do have an account with Stripe through Samcart, um, which is like an order form type thing. So, Josh, kind of take us um, on a little bit of a journey right now on number one, Explain to us exactly what Stripe is. Number two, explain to us how you had the idea to build this thing for Stripe. And then number three, what Bare Metrics really does to improve the Stripe user experience. Sure. So Stripe is, I mean, you pretty much covered it. It's a way to accept credit cards online. And it's, it's 
really developer focused uh, in that it makes it super easy to do things like recurring payments uh, and really just accepting credit cards in general. It sort of sideswipes the need to go through like a, a merchant account and which, you know, I'm sure like setting up authorized.net you're familiar with, like it probably involved faxing things. Oh, it was brutal. It's just, yeah. So they are awful. 1970s, like best case scenario. Through and through. Yeah. I told them, I go, I go, literally, do you understand I don't have a fax machine? They're like, what, what do you mean you don't have a fax machine? I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't have a fax machine. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's insanity. So uh, either way, Stripe makes it so super easy, and they're used by a lot of software, uh, like SaaS companies, software as a service companies that you know need to accept payments. So, um, so that's sort of what Stripe does. And then the deal with bare metrics is... Um, so yeah, like Stripe, what was the pain point that like bare metrics right. is solving? So I've had, I use Stripe for previous uh, products and uh, I needed to know business metric kind of things. So like monthly recurring revenue, lifetime value, churn, uh, thing like uh, annual run rate, all these different three yeah, letters. Churn, churn's a great thing to know. Right. So, uh, but the problem was any of the services that were out there required hooking up all these different, like I'd have to do a lot of backend stuff to try to hook them up right or importing data. And I, I didn't trust that I was doing it right. Like I felt like I was missing a step or something or like there was too many different points where the data could get screwed up. And so I started looking at Stripe and I was like, okay, Stripe actually has all of this data in the platform already. Like it's there. So uh, and they have a great API, which lets me pull down all the data. So the pain point was I needed all that stuff for the previous businesses I had. And so I said, I'm just going to build this thing for myself. Uh, I honestly almost didn't launch Bear Metrics at all. Like it was ser- it was a scratch my own itch thing. And then I got like got prodded by other buddies who were running SaaS companies on Stripe and were like, you should release this thing. Like, oh, okay, fine. So put it out there and it was like, oh, this... This is a I'm not the only person who has this issue because Stripe's reporting. So like they don't give you any of these metrics. It's it's very like they've got a couple of graphs, but it's basically how much money you a gross revenue kind of stuff. It's really basic. So uh, anybody who's on Stripe needs it. So it's an obvious pain point and people are using Stripe around the world and they want to know what their churn is. They want to know, you know, just having different analytics, different graphs, different bar charts. So they can really just study their growth or their decline month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year. And Bare Metrics brings that solution to that pain point. And the reality is what I love about what you're doing, Josh, is that you're serving, and this is something really important for Fire Nation to, to kind of absorb right here. You're serving a customer base that, guess what, is making money because Absolutely. they are accepting payments. You know, I mean, anybody can kind of twiddle around and make, you know, survey after survey for their free little thing they're doing on the internet all day long, and it's going to be free, and they haven't made a penny, and they, and they maybe never will. It's a little hobby project. But if you are on Stripe, you're on Stripe because you are accepting money. You have money coming in the door. And that's a huge thing to think about when you're going to be focusing on a product or a service or some kind of creation. So I just want to give that to you, Josh, for just nailing the right customer base. And of all these you know, successes you've had throughout your you know, entire career, and obviously Bear Metrics being the most recent, what would you say your proudest entrepreneurial moment is? Uh, this would have been back in uh, a few months back, crossing the $10,000 $10, a month in recurring revenue. So like to me, I don't know what that, it wasn't like I needed 
that wasn't some uh, goal even. It was just sort of a, okay, like it felt legitimate after it was, after I hit 10,000 a month in recurring revenue. Well, rightfully so. I mean, think about that number. I mean, $10,000 a month in recurring revenue basically means, you know, you're, you're not on cruise control, obviously. You are in the business and you're working the business on a lot of levels, but you have just hit a point where recurring revenue, you're yeah. making six figures on an annual basis, and that sure. number is only going to be growing as you continue to grow your customer base. So it's just, it's an exciting moment, too. Yeah, definitely. And so it's, you know, that number continues to grow. So, I mean, we're at close to 20,000 in recurring revenue now. And I, a lot of that's just the 10,000 was sort of a indication that the snowball had was in full force. And so that's kind of kept up. So that's, that's just exciting. Love that. So Josh, what I really want to do now is, is kind of bring things to present time to today. I mean, we've been talking about bare metrics for sure. I mean, that's, you know, what your proudest moment was. That's what your aha moment was. So share with Fire Nation specifically just one unique thing, one specific thing that just has you really fired up in your business right now. Uh, that there's so much work left to be done on it. So it's this product that like, kind of infinitely can be added on to, not in a bloated kind of way, but just sort of a, like there's so many ways that we can help businesses through ultimately their metrics. And so I don't worry about this becoming like a stale project, you know, like I, I'm not itching to do something else. I, I'm, there's so much left to be done that that's, that's super exciting to me. Well, what I kind of pull out of that too, and this is one of my favorite quotes, Josh, by Earl Nightingale is that both success and happiness is the gradual realization of a worthy ideal. So what do you have now with Bear Metrics IO? I mean, you have a you have a worthy ideal. I mean, you're doing things that are helping people's businesses. You're doing things that are improving people's lives and you have paying customers of over $20,000 in recurring revenue verifying that fact. And guess what? It's not just realizing. It's not just getting to that endpoint being like, "Okay, you know, clap the fingers together, I'm walking away, I'm done. No, you are gradually realizing it. That's that key word is gradually realizing because, you know, when we get to the finish line, you know, it's just like, okay, what's that next challenge? That's why the number one cause of death in this world, Josh, is retirement because people stop being relevant. They start having a reason to get up in the morning. And it's kind of sad to say, but, you know, I wouldn't be saying if it wasn't the truth. We should always be setting up our lives and our businesses to be gradually realizing a worthy ideal. And that's what you've done, Josh. And, you know, to me, that's why it's um, really inspiring you right now. Totally. That's spot on. So, Josh, we're about to enter the lightning rounds. But before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Email may seem like Twitter's older, less attractive sister. Yet surprisingly, it remains one of the most cost-effective channels for marketing departments all around the world. While it might not be as hip as viral marketing, an email campaign can quickly hit a huge audience and produce amazing results when done right. Over 91% of consumers check their email daily. So how do you get them to open your email? Think about what your readers would value, whether in the form of seasonal promotions or monthly newsletters. Engage your customers with content that's worthwhile and relevant to your industry. Once you have the content nailed, it's time to think about design. Our friends at 99designs recommend keeping a clean layout and minimalistic with one call to action. 99design makes it easy for a great email template design that you can use over and over, keeping your audience engaged and your budget happy. Tell them what you need, get dozens of options, and choose your favorite, all in seven days. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services free. 
I'm realizing more and more that video courses provide one of the most powerful learning tools available on the internet today. Your ability to follow an expert as they walk through a particular program or topic, all while going at your own pace, is unlike any other type of online learning. In fact, I literally learned how to podcast through watching video tutorials online. That's why I'm such a huge fan of lynda.com. lynda.com offers unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials, all taught by industry experts. You can check out tutorials like exploring entrepreneurship fundamentals or even tutorials on leadership and productivity, both of which are skills that we as entrepreneurs can always be improving upon. Lynda.com truly has it all. Because of how integral Lynda.com has been to the progress of my learning, I've worked out a deal to give you a special offer. Access the entire library free for seven days. Visit Lynda.com slash fire. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash fire. Josh, welcome to the lightning round where you get to share incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Uh, no pressure. <laughs> what was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, I was thinking about this one and the answer I kept coming back to was nothing. So I've always since a kid kind of had an entrepreneurial mindset, like cutting, gra- like starting little businesses even as a kid. And so I've had one real job uh, ever. It lasted seven weeks. And that's it. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, that wasn't ever a roadblock for me. No, I love it. And you know, there's some Gary Vaynerchuk's out there who like yourself were just selling baseball cards on the weekend and making $2,000. And then there's people like myself, Fire Nation, who didn't have an entrepreneurial bone in their body until the age of 32. And you know what? Either's okay. That's just, you know, the, the different journeys we're on in life. Yep. And Josh, what's the best advice you've ever received? Under promise and over deliver. Give me an example of how you've done that. Not promising that your software, not promising that your book, not promising anything that you're selling uh, does more than it may. So like set expectations low and then blow it out of the water. Mm, so I should have said Entrepreneur on Fire is going to be a once a year podcast and then come out with a daily podcast. <laughs> right. Yes. That, you, would have, you would have been so much better. Than you are now. Josh, can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Having interests and hobbies outside of the startup tech business world. So like woodworking, gardening, like reading fiction books, doing all that stuff kind of keeps you out of this, out of the hype. And uh, I think keeps you from getting burnout. Mm, mine is stand up paddleboarding. There you go, man. <laughs> Josh, you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with. You can share with our listeners. Uh, I'm a little late to the bandwagon on this, but Trello I've, in the past probably two months, started using that, and I love every bit of it. Awesome. Trello. Well, Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that Josh and I are talking about at eofire.com slash Josh Pigford. Josh, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? Uh, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. So it's like this quintessential shut up and do the work book. It's pretty short, and it's it kind of kind of gets you pumped up to just like get over the hurdles that are stopping you. I've actually already named 2014 my year of Stephen Pressfield. I've read every single one of his books that are published in Kindle, fiction and nonfiction. By the way, his yeah, fiction books are out 
outstanding. He's just a, such an amazing writer. And the problem with Stephen Pressfield, if there can be, if this can be called a problem, is that once you start reading one of his books, they're kind of just like you know powerful reads, like the Seth Godin type. Yep. You just it's just like a domino effect. You just keep reading all of his books, do the work, and then you know the Legend of Bagger Vance, and then you're reading. Next thing you know, you're reading about the Spartans of 300. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 crazy. I'm still yeah, like in this whirlwind. And Fire Nation, I know that you love audio, so if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audio book like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Josh, this next question's the last of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? So I have, I have two answers here. One, uh, the first, the lazy side of me says I would do nothing. Uh, for seven days, I would sit there on a beach and my food and shelter is taken care of, so I have no expenses. That's cool. Um, <laughs> second is keep the 500 for financial security's sake and then build and ship something and then start making money off of it. So, you know, not the stuff that I'm able to build doesn't require really any startup costs. Where would be the first place you would go to to actually ship something, not knowing anybody? The internet. Like I'd sit in some place that has internet access and not talk to anyone for a week. But I mean, like what platform? Would it be social media? Would mm. it just be a website, a podcast? For bare metrics, Twitter was like our biggest source of Twitter. new customers. So wow. that would probably... Did you do anything special within Twitter with their hashtags involved? I mean, how did you really use Twitter to, to dominate? It was all just typical word of mouth stuff where uh, people that tried out bare metrics, like I would reach out to people, I would mention Stripe and kind of like search out for people who had been talking about Stripe and say, hey, here's something that might be up your alley. Uh, but people were quick to share bare metrics. So that was kind of, and that goes back to the, the big pain that was being solved. Have you ever reached out to Stripe directly and had like been able to form relationships with them? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I've, uh, I talked to them, probably somebody at Stripe on a weekly basis. I'm flying out to San Francisco tomorrow to actually to meet with them. So, I mean, cool. I have a really good relationship with them. Very nice. Yeah, because I mean, you know, Fire Nation, a company like Stripe, they're only improved because now they can be like, hey, you know, we don't specifically offer what you're asking for. But I mean, if you, you know, join Stripe, I mean, here's baremetrics.io. That's everything you want. It's an easy add-on. So these kind of partnerships are very common and very powerful. And Josh just proved it right there. And Josh, I just want to thank you for being so incredibly inspiring and honest with Fire Nation today. How about you give us just one parting piece of guidance, then share the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Cool. So parting piece of advice or guidance here is, we've said it multiple times here, but ship stuff. Uh, don't make excuses. Uh, get something out the door and see if you can get people to give, uh, give you money for it. Um, you can stay in touch. Uh, email me, josh at joshpigford.com or uh, Twitter is at Spigford. That's S-H-P-I-G-F-O-R-D. And uh, that's that. Well, that is that in Fire Nation. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with Josh and myself today. So keep up the heat. And Josh, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that we've been chatting about by just going to eofire.com. Just typing in J-O-S-H into our, into our search bar. That's Josh into our search bar. And his show notes page will pop right up. So Josh, thank you for being so generous with your time, expertise, and experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
Thanks for having me, John. Fire Nation, learn how to create a podcast in three minutes, as well as two super hacks every podcaster needs to know on the free podcast workshop Kate and I host every week. Text PARADISE to 38470 to claim your spot today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 